We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Well, welcome to week two of a brand new message series that we started last week called XO, Doing Relationships God's Way. And uh, this week we have a very special treat for you as we have three amazing couples that are going to come and they're going to share. So would you do me a favor and would you welcome to the stage David and Elizabeth Halliburton, Tim and Marpe Marty Corpola, and Pete and Rebecca Unger. These are three amazing couples, and they're going to come each, and they're going to share for 10 minutes each a little bit about how God has taught them how to love based on 1 Corinthians 13, that kind of love, through their relationship and marriage. It's going to encourage you. It's going to bless you. And I love each, and, each of these couples' stories. They're going to share. It's going to be real. It's going to be raw, and you're going to be blessed by it. All right, Pete and Rebecca, come on up. Any kids or non-married people, close your ears real quick for me. <laughs> Who has heard of the, the book, Sex Starts in the Kitchen? Who's heard of that book? Oh my gosh, this isn't going to go well. Okay, <laughs> so it's a marriage book, um, but I went to Google that, and, and what it did is it, it somehow brought me to the Spanish version of that page. Uh, <laughs> And the uh, author is Dr. Kevin Lehman, and I thought it was Dr. Gary, Ch Gary Chapman, but I wanted to read you the title here in, um, in Spanish, because it's, it's it kind of changes things. El amor comienza en la cocina. El amor. So I read that, and I instantly was like, I need to learn Spanish and read that book with this girl right here. And look, the reason I'm bringing that book up is because it was recommended to me uh, right when I was about to get married. 16 plus and a half years ago. Good job. And the good thing about I coached that, him on that before we started, it was actually. Scary. My father-in-law recommended it to me, and it was super terrifying and awkward because I was, like, not ready for that. I was not ready for that conversation. He was, like, he, like healthy, emotional. I know what you're getting into, and I'm like, don't touch me. You know what I mean? Like, I want to hide. I, this is way – no one's ever had this conversation with me. And the reason I bring that up is because the book itself talks about a love bank. And we have love languages. And our spouse communicates differently than we do. And the ways we serve our spouse and love our spouse uh, will we'll show them that, that we care, that we love. And the thing is, is it may not necessarily be a way that seems natural to us. It, 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 a lot of times we have to go out of our comfort zone. Because there's ways like, I've been telling you I love you all day long. But it's in my way. It's not in the way that she communicates. So... I want you to think about perspectives a little bit and the reason why God may have put you with someone who's very, very different than you are. Very different than you are. And some dating sites try to match you with somebody who's just like you are, right? You see two people like hiking in the woods and they're running with their dogs and they have their Danner hiking boots on and they're like high five. They're exactly the same. That's got to be super boring. God put me with someone who is so different than I am. It is so not different. boring. It is not boring. And she sees things that I can't see. I, I see things from a different perspective that, that she doesn't. And so maybe God put you with someone who is so different than you, not so you could teach them your way to think, but so they could help you see things from a different perspective. They could help you understand 
things from a different perspective. And boy, we came from very different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, she grew up in a Christian home. I, I was saved when I was 21 years old. Um, I had a very difficult uh, situation with sexual abuse and trauma, uh, addictions, uh, exposed to, to pornography and alcohol and drugs at a very, very early age. Um, my dad uh, separated from my mom when I was young, so I had a big, big, big rejection wound. In fact, I, for years and years, couldn't even have intimate conversations uh, with my wife, or really honest conversations, because I was so busy hiding, trying to drown, drown out the pain. So seven years into our marriage, I had a really, really bad uh, time of backsliding. And I was just using drugs, alcohol to numb this, this pain to make it go away because I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to enter into that. And all, honestly, I just thought God was mad at me a lot of the times. And I couldn't talk to God about it because I got to come and, and be perfect in God's presence. So I got to have it all together when I'm in God's presence. But the crazy thing is, is that's not how Jesus is. Jesus is like, gets down on his hands and knees, spits in the dirt, and heals the blind man. He enters into, to, if, you, if you read the Gospels through that perspective, you're going to see Jesus is like doing things that are socially awkward. Jesus is doing things that, you know, might be embarrassing for us to do in a public place, but he kept on doing them. He was ridiculed for the people that he hung out with. God is not afraid of your woundedness. God is not afraid of your sin. I went through a Celebrate Recovery program. Uh, I saw doctors. I saw counselors. I just saw a doctor the other day, actually, and he said, hey, bro, uh, where's he? he didn't say bro, but he said, hey, Pete, what's wrong? And I said, uh, I said, doc, I, I, I'm broken. I'm sexually broken. I had, I had abuse in the past. I, I, I just, I came through a drug addiction, and he said, Pete, I, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm your dentist. I can't, we can't talk about this right now. He said, he said, you need to floss, but that's like all I can help you with. But anyway, I made that up. Anyway, what I, what I want to tell you is the way out of your problem is through. Not away. Don't retreat. We as men, we want to hide. We want to run away. We want to retreat. After Adam sinned in the garden, he hid from God. Before that, he could literally be naked and not even really know that anything's going on. Try being naked. Try doing that. Try running around your backyard naked. You're going to end up either in the psych ward or the prison. Just for your information, the psych ward has better pudding. Okay? So if you're going to one, go there. But look, I just want to tell you this. Everybody has issues. Everybody has problems. And the way that we heal from them, James says, confess your sins to another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. Okay? God bless you. If you're worried right now, it's okay. I've learned over the years how to follow that. So it's okay. I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, um, you know, Pete, being really real, real and honest about, about things here, um, you know, I came into our marriage, like he said, as a um, mature believer, as a church kid, a pastor's kid, and really when it boiled down to everything, the problems that we kind of started having in our marriage, I can look back now and I, and I can say, and the Holy Spirit has uh, revealed to me that there was so much pride in my heart. It was so much pride over who I was, who my family was, what I had accomplished spiritually in my life. You know, I was a good youth group kid and Christian school kid, and I knew all the verses. I went to Awana's, and I could recite all the books of the Bible and sing the song and the whole whole bit. 
And, um, but when it came to having a relationship with my husband, um, it was me still trying to be this single person and make my own decisions and do my own thing without regard for him, without regard for being respectful of him or his perspective of things, like Pete was saying, and your perspective makes a huge difference when you enter into a marriage relationship. And um, also, just so you know, and if you're married out here, you can probably attest to this, but you know, it's not just uh, you as a single person marrying another single person. Uh, your family marries your spouse's family. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, maybe don't raise your hand if you, you know, especially if your family is sitting here watching online, maybe don't raise your hand. But um, yeah, so, you know, like I said, I w would come into it and say, well, yeah, well, my family did it this way. I came from a large, very close-knit family, and my family did it this way, so this is the right way to do it, and this is the only way to do it, so I'm right and you're wrong. Let's have a great day. I'm sure you can imagine how well that went over. Um, so it really was, I, it, you know, when it boiled down to me trying to communicate with Pete, I was so focused on trying to make him see it the way that I thought it was right, um, and really trying to play the Holy Spirit, not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in his heart and allowing him to be the man that God wanted him to be. Uh, instead, I was trying to be the man that I thought God wanted him to be. And <clears throat> that didn't work so well, usually most of the time. So. Um, it, it was just realizing that and just through reading, reading scripture and finally allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my heart um, because I really became a very bitter, angry person, um, especially when um, Pete did fall back into some addictions and, and things of the past. You know, I, I'm sitting there going, oh, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the life that I was supposed to have, this fairy tale, you know, uh, marriage that I thought I was supposed to have. And and, um, and I just became very bitter and angry. And rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to work in my heart, I just became deeper and deeper into pride and selfishness. And just not realizing that um, my selfish actions just made it harder and harder for him to be the biblical godly leader of our home, um, the father of our kids, and to do what you know God wanted him to do. So really, I had to be willing to say, okay, it's, not, it's no longer what I desire alone by myself, but what God desires for us together, um, the unit, the family unit. And it's, it's, it embodies what God wanted in the very beginning of creation. When he said in Genesis, he said, let us make man in our image. He, it was Father, Son, Holy Spirit together as a unit, and that is the perfect example of exactly what God wants for us in our marriage relationships Amen. as well. And so I feel like that, that that fulfills God's greatest desire for us as humans, and if I could give you one encouragement just to be that, you know, this, your spouse is, is your best friend, is the person uh, your spouse is not your enemy. We need to remember who the real enemy is. Mm, and he's the go. one who is trying to tear down and break down and cause division and miscommunication. Amen. And um, But God wants unity and wants us to prosper. He says in Jeremiah, I, I know the plans I have for you and they're good plans. Amen. So I believe that's what he wants in our that's marriage so relationships good. too. That's so good. Can we throw that Ephesians verse up really quick? I forgot to share something that's really important. Oh, you get uh, more time? 
I'm sorry. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Unless you receive the forgiveness of God, you will have no power to forgive and overlook the faults in your spouse or the person you're supposed to love. God has forgiven the unthinkable in us so we can forgive our spouse. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Well, that was awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that verse because uh, <clears throat> forgiveness is such a key in relationships. Uh, so where do I begin? I begin with just saying, Marty and I have been married six and a half years now. And I know some of you are thinking, you waited till you were 54 to get married? No, this is our second marriage for both of us. And so we thought, you know, out of the three couples here, we're the only ones that have been uh, divorced. This is our second marriage. So I know some of you can relate to that. And uh, I'm not going to go through all the reasons why, you know, my, my past and, you know, my past marriage and how it ended and all that. If you, if you want that, you can either come to Living Waters this September, because uh, I give a full version there, or you could talk to Randy, my friend. He has a, he's heard my testimony a hundred times. And, uh, but anyway, I... I did uh, come to a point in my life where I realized, uh, well, it's best described in this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. If you put that up, it just says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put, away, I put, the, the, way, I put the ways of childhood behind me. And I guess that's the dividing point right there when it says, in my past marriage, I realize now that I got locked into this place of, of the pain of my upbringing, and I never grew past a certain point in, in certain emotions in me. And so I could, I could say that in humility now, realizing that, that God has revealed that to me, and I brought that pain. It doesn't matter how old you get. You can carry that pain, and it'll, it'll stunt your growth emotionally and spiritually. And so I'll just say that about my past marriage of 29 years, that um, I became very selfish and childlike. I never grew out of that. And, uh, you know, so I, I did some things that destroyed my marriage and destroyed my family. And so <clears throat> when God opened my eyes about 10 years ago, he used, he used my daughter, actually my youngest daughter. She, she had sent me a text saying, Dad, you know, summarized it at the end by this, saying this, why don't you ask God what he wants you to do and do that? And that, God used those words to, after she, you know, expressed her pain as well, cut through, to, through into my heart like a, you know, a hot knife through butter. And I just started to weep and I repented. And, and no matter where you're at in your relationships, repentance is the first step. Yeah. It is the key, yeah. repentance. And that, and, and, and like I've said many times before, repentance is not a 360-degree turn. It's a 180-degree turn. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're turning the opposite way of the way you've been living. And so I lived alone for about a year. And, um, you know, that was, that was just a, a year of repenting, confessing to God as he brought things up, uh, getting healed. And that's another step. Before you go into another relationship, those of you that are single, and by the way, those of you that are single and you are pressing to God, you're my heroes. You're my heroes. Because so many just rebound into another relationship or get into relationships for wrong reasons, right? And 
So you're my heroes. Also, you men and women who have fought for your marriage, that your marriage was on the brink, but you've, you've pressed into God, you've got healing for your marriage, you've got counseling, I applaud you, and you are my heroes too, because way too many marriages, including my first marriage, uh, ended without a fight, and, and we need to, to see the value in that, so I wanted to mention that. But then also, like, um, so the transition happened, like that verse says, you know, then I became a man. I needed God to show me how to become a man of God. Because women, if you're honest in here tonight, that's what you want from your men, right? You want a man of God. Because how could my wife, my present wife, Marty, trust me? I mean, I don't know, maybe she'll talk about this, but I mean, seriously, she's had women ask her, you married an adulterer? Like, I had committed adultery in my first marriage. And so how can she trust me? That's God. The glory goes to God. I could, I could not even talk about his kindness or his goodness once I repented because I knew what I deserved. And she's, she's walked this through me of healing, this healing of getting through shame. I never knew how much shame I carried through all the things I had done. And so she's walking with me every step of the way and, and you know, um, God uses the Holy Spirit through her and her Dutch heritage to be very blunt with me, <laughs> pointing out the things I need correction, but that's okay. It brings humility. It's, it's like, and that's another key, is humility. Yeah. You need humility to see your, your, your marriage strong and to have healing, and so it's the humility of walking that out. And, and I'll just end with this, just uh, saying that there's so many practical examples we can give because we have had so many tests. And <laughs> but, you know, just not long ago, um, Marty said something that offended me or hurt me somehow. And so instead of retreating like I used to do as a child, I, I, I just listened to the Holy Spirit and manned up. And even though I didn't feel like it emotionally, I got up and I knew what she needed because my mission is to protect her heart. My mission is that she is my treasure, a gift from God, and I need to treat her that way. And so I went up to her and gave her, again, what I didn't feel like doing, but I hugged her for a long time. She, like, she likes long hugs. And so I hugged her, and I felt the atmosphere change. And men, we can change the atmosphere in our homes. We can change the atmosphere by doing the right thing, by doing the godly thing, by being humble, by being men, standing up, being a man of God. He's great. <laughs> oh, man. So much that I want to say. You know, he, he says that I will point out his faults. And to be perfectly honest, it's like more than pointing out. It's like the Goodyear blimp in the sky, the billboard, the neon lights. I, I mean, wow. But what I've learned about myself is that when you spend years surviving, which I did for 24 years in my first marriage, and on the heels of our 25th anniversary, I found myself homeless, completely broke, living between the United States and Canada in a three-year court battle. Um, my husband at that time and I, we were both leading worship in a church and had a great worship team and you would never think 
when you're looking at somebody on the platform that they're struggling, except we were struggling, and I didn't know who I could go to with my struggles because nobody else was talking about theirs either. And so one of the things that, that I have learned is that you cannot measure how well somebody is doing by their gift. You may see them on the platform and it may look amazing and God's working through them. That is not an indicator that life is great when they get home. And so for years, I had to survive. And when I got married to Tim, I realized really quickly that I wasn't really surviving anymore, but that the mirror would be flipped. And as much as I was pushing at him to, hey, here's your issues, because I got a whole lot of triggers. I am wrecked, and I am whacked out, and I need a lot of help, and I saw counselors and therapists, and I mean, you have to take steps to heal. You have to, and there's never a period when it comes to healing. It is ongoing. And the beautiful thing is, is that I, somebody asked me, when you were homeless and you were living in your truck, is that really true? And I said, yes. And they said, were you mad at God? And I said, no. I wasn't mad, but I was disappointed. I didn't want my life to be like that. I didn't ever dream that I would end up in that situation, not knowing where to go, not knowing if I was going to be a really good mom, how was I gonna help my kids? It was horrible. It was hell, it was literal hell. But I remember sitting in a Home Depot parking lot with a shower rod at the back of my old Ford and all of my clothes that I could were hanging on that shower rod behind me. And I remember asking God if he could come into my vehicle and if he could just make his presence real. And he did. And when you invite him in the middle of your hell, he will show up. And I would love to tell you that in that moment, everything changed and boom, all of a sudden I qualified for a credit card and there was money in my bank account and that I was not sitting in that old truck anymore. But that's not what happened. But something better than that happened is that the presence of Jesus turned that vehicle into a sanctuary and he became the God that I yearned for, that I needed in order to heal and move forward and learn how to love my second husband. And so if, if I can encourage you with anything is that take this step. If you're hurting today, if you're struggling and if you're embarrassed and you're carrying shame because for so many years of your life, it was just about performance and appearance. I want you to know you can, you can talk to any one of us because we want to see you free. And Jesus has come to set us free. And he is helping me daily walk out this tremendous gift called healing and his grace and that the triggers in my life don't have to rule my life but that Jesus is the one who rules my life and so through prayer through community through communication through fellowship these are the steps we take to walk fully into all that God has called us to be amen Right, I'd like to introduce you to
picture, please. Up oh, the one with just there the dead. There they are, the Thank honeymooners. <laughs> and you guessed it, we're going to share what marital bliss looks like. <laughs> All about it. <sighs> Kidding. But that day and that season of our lives was truly like a taste of heaven. And if anybody had told me, if God had prophesied, someday, Elizabeth, you and David are going to have a story that you'll be known by that includes pain, sexual brokenness, betrayal, exposure, transformation, beauty, redemption, I would have never believed it. But the truth is, is that it is in our marriage that we experience such extremity. It's, it's the very nature of that kind of intimacy and eventually being fully known that creates those extremes. So before we go into our story, I want to share the secret sauce that David and I would identify as something that has truly nurtured our love for one another as well as just created a very firm foundation of trust and of connection. And so back before the picture of us on the honeymoon, we were engaged, we were on a date, and I said, okay, I've got to go home, back to the apartment um, that I'm living in so I can clean and get ready for a baby shower. And David immediately perks up and says, let me help you. And I'm like, no, it's house cleaning. You're not going to want to do it. Yeah, I really do want to help. So we get there. I give him the worst job. You can mop the floor, okay? And he gets the mop going and literally... I kid you not, this man is so into mopping, just with his whole self. And I am trying to kind of scooch by him to get something, and he stops. He slams the mop down, grabs me in his arms, and looks into my eyes and says, I love to serve you. I still do. Whew. Thank you for coming. You guys I, have a great Sunday. Thanks for being with us here at Hope Church. Seriously, I went weak at the knees. That was truly the most romantic moment. I will treasure that forever. You know, and the point is, and Pete brought it up too with the book that he, the book that he mentioned earlier, that serving one another nurtures love. It builds a foundation. It allows you to weather and persevere through the storms that life certainly will bring. So five years into our marriage, I, David shared, I'm struggling with pornography. We both wanted to believe it was just struggling, and yet it was actually an addiction at that point, we had three babies. I had no idea where I could go to find help. I felt alone. I felt isolated. 
And my marriage had literally gone from feeling safe to feeling very dangerous. Especially as a pastor's wife. Well, I, I want to take you on a journey this morning. I grew up in a workaholic, rageaholic, alcoholic home. And the number one goal of our home was keeping secrets at any cost. And evil saw opportunity to take advantage of that scenario. And as a nine-year-old boy, I was set up and groomed to be sexually abused for 10 years. That drove me into a place of anger, pain, doubt. If you really knew me, you wouldn't like me. And as a, as a young man growing up in that scenario, not having a safe place to even talk about anything in my life, because home wasn't safe, but yet my abuser was speaking lies, and min, speaking lies to me, and his number one tactic, as most abuse is, is silence my voice. So for the last 60, well, I've been married, I'm 62, we've been married 30 years, but for the last 52 years, the enemy has tried to silence my voice. And I'm gonna cry, and uh, I guess suck it up, buttercup, we're gonna do all right. Um, <laughs> My biggest fear was this woman sitting next to me. If she really knew me, she would abandon me. My dad moved in and out of our house nine times between when I was born until I was 17. So my deepest fear was being abandoned by my dad because I looked up to my dad. And when I was 40, he and I had a reckoning and he came and we mended our relationship, which is awesome. And, so my question for us I wanted to ask is where do you go in the church when you have a secret? I love my wife, I love my kids, and I love Jesus. But where do you go when you're a pastor, a leader, or a Christian and you have a secret? Especially that secret is very scary because again, if you knew me, you would abandoned me, right? Just as my dad did, just as my abuser did. You know, I was a sex toy, so he would use me, abuse me. But I want to encourage you with this, that I didn't choose, hear me out, men, especially the men, I didn't choose to follow the good shepherd in the valley of the shadow of death. I chose to hide in my secrecy. In 2011, my porn, addiction, my porn addiction was exposed right here at Hope Church, and I resigned from my pastorate. I, I was the family life pastor. My, our marriage hit a rock bottom. It literally hit a rock bottom, and I would have lost my marriage and my family if it was not for the fact that I stepped into the root of the pain and the cycle of addiction. I still remember that day, Craig Dyson was at my house. We shared our story in front of our kids. And out of that, God brought a tremendous amount of healing. I sat down with Elizabeth that same week and unpacked my story, opened up my closet, and it was the fear of her rejection was almost unbearable. 
that the love of my life that I have hurt and wounded as a pastor, as a, as, 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 with my kids as well, driving by churches, speaking at churches, praying, but yet having this second, almost the second secret in my life. And then I want to encourage you as well, as you, as you allow the light to step into the darkness, that's where the healing, healing begins. That's when I asked Pastor Lance and three other men to step into my story. It was the most terrifying experience I've ever encountered in my life, other than being sexually abused. In one ear, I had the enemy screaming, don't do it, they're gonna abandon you, they're gonna throw you under the ditch. And the other ear was Holy Spirit saying, no, you can trust me, you can take my hand. And this man heard my story. John Convili heard my story. And they said to me, I still love you for who you are. I want to encourage you this morning, you can be fully known and fully loved because the Lord Jesus Christ bore our pain, bore our wounds on the cross and he wants us to take our pain and wounds and he wants us to embrace the cross and that is what has covered us, has, has drawn us to each other's heart is pressing our wounds into the cross. We understand and experience that healing happens in the light. It, we wanted it to happen instantly. We, we prayed and prayed for that, but it turned out that it happened day by day. And David shared a lot of what caused division in our relationship, but of course there's always two. And I, too, had a log in my eye that God illuminated, that was illuminated, as I was honest as well. And just for practicality, I want to share that the Lord gave me a scripture that, for me, was foundational in a day-by-day -day healing process. It's Proverbs 14.1. And it says, A wise woman builds her house but the foolish pulls it down with her own hands. Every day, I would pray, Lord, how do I build my house? It wasn't based on how I felt or if I wanted to build. I trusted, and by faith, I prayed that prayer and spent probably the first year in the book of Proverbs. And God tangibly would answer my needs through that. Definitely. It's been a long road, uh, and today I stand before you as the Community of Life pastor because that man, my dear friend, my pastor, risked with me. And Elizabeth is, and I are launching a ministry called True North World 6 to address, she's the one doing that, to address trauma and brokenness in the lives of women and couples. This is what we want to end on tonight, tonight. Today, if you're watching online as well, that, Jesus, that we wanted to share this with you, that Elizabeth and I are on a trail of radical wholeness. And that trail is a lifetime journey of hell no, heaven yes. Hell no, heaven yes. Come on, can we give it up for these amazing couples one more time? So, 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 so good. So good. Well, I hope that was a, a blessing to you. One of our core values here at Hope Church is authenticity. 
And um, sometimes when we read the Bible and we read 1 Corinthians 13, the, the love chapter, we can read that chapter and we can be encouraged with the kind of love that Paul talks about, the kind of love that I talked about last week, which was really a foundational message to set up all the rest of these messages. But there's what we read in the Bible and then there's the reality of our lives and our humanness and our human nature, the, our broken places, our past, our sin, and all the things that kind of get in to us and make marriage, make relationships messy. There's one common theme or thread that you, you just heard through each one of those couple stories. It's this, that marriage is messy. That any time that you're going to engage in the most intimate, closest relationship that God ordained, God ordained marriage to not only teach us how to love like he loves, but so that marriage would be an example to the world of what godly love really looks like. And yet, as you just heard, all of us, we, we fall so short, so short. You guys could dim the lights. We're going to close our service, but there's a couple of things on my heart that as we close today that I just want to share with you. The first one is this. Each and every person that just shared with you, they were very real, they were very authentic, very vulnerable, sharing with you some very personal things about their past, their own brokenness that limited and affected severely their ability to love their spouse or other people with the love of God. And for many of us, we can go through our whole lives, just like Tim said, it doesn't matter how old you are. All of us, every single one of us in this room, we all have broken places. We all have things in our life that we need healing from. And when I have couples come in to do marriage counseling with me, one of the first things that I tell them is, Often we don't have a marriage problem, we have an us problem. And the problem is that we haven't allowed God to heal things in us that need to be healed. We haven't repented of things in us that we need to repent from. We haven't grown up into the kind of love that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 because we're still holding on to childish ways. We're still holding on to selfishness. And none of it, none of it is possible without the grace of Jesus, without the grace of God. Every single one of us, we can stay stuck in the place that we are and, and never get beyond those things. And I know even as I look out here, there's many of you that you've experienced divorce, you've experienced brokenness. Some of you maybe right now, your marriages are struggling. Maybe you're here today and you're single and you just heard some amazing testimonies that I hope will encourage you in your singleness is that, that God wants to bring heal, healing to you and wholeness to you before you engage in that relationship so that it can bring glory to God and so that you can be fulfilled in that relationship. But it all starts with the relationship with Jesus. So maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and the very first thing that I would say to you is that you'll never be able to get healed or set free from the things in your life without the power and the presence of God in your life. That's step one. 
that's the starting point. So maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. You don't know what it means to actually be free from the power of sin and death in your life, the fear that if you died today, that you don't know where you would be. You don't know what, what holds to this afterlife. But the Bible is clear. It says that if we will believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that he came and lived a life on earth, a sinless life, and that he surrendered that sinless life on the cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin and my sin, for every sin that we would ever commit in our life. And that if we would confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we ask him to forgive us of all of our sin, that we can enter into this relationship with him. And, and this process that you just heard about, this journey of healing, this journey of wholeness, it doesn't happen without that relationship. So first, as we close, I just want us to close our eyes just for a minute in the presence of God. And this is just a holy moment. And maybe some of you are watching online, maybe you're gonna be listening to this later on in the car. This is the moment where you have to say, how am I going to make it with the brokenness and the sin in my life without a relationship with Jesus Christ? Today, I wanna to surrender my life to him and I wanna invite him to come into my life to forgive me of my sin and to make me new. If that's you, friend, this is your day. This is what the day the Bible calls the day of salvation. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Just say, Pastor Lance, that's me. I wanna surrender my life to God today. I want it to be the most important decision that you've ever made in your life. It's the beginning of this journey of wholeness and healing. God bless you, I see your hand. God sees your hand. Anyone else? Maybe for some of you, you've walked away from a relationship with God that you once had, and you've been kind of living your life on your own, but it's not working for you. It's hurting your relationships. Today's the day you would say, I, I wanna come back to my relationship with Jesus and make him first in my life. You can do that by repenting and asking him to forgive you. God bless you, I see your hand. So I want us to say this prayer, say this with me. If you're online and you're watching this, I know there's no way for you to raise your hand, but in the comments section, you could say, I believe. So let's pray this prayer together. Would you pray this with me? Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me, as me. Today, I believe that you were the Son of God. She lived a sinless life. She went to the cross to die so that I could be forgiven and set free. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I surrender my life. I repent and turn to you to begin this journey of healing and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now for the rest of you, I know there's many of you here in this room and you can relate with some of those stories. You, maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've walked through brokenness. Maybe you've had someone abandon you. Maybe you've gone through the pain of divorce. I want you as we close just to put your hand on your heart right now. I just want to pray over you. And then we're going to sing this last worship song together as we're going to be reminded that the reckless love of Jesus 
can defeat every pain, every sin, every wall. Tear it down in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, I pray you come right now. Would you breathe on your people? God, would you heal every heart? Would you heal every brokenness? God, would you restore what needs to be restored? God, would you, today, there's some of you that are beginning this journey of healing and of wholeness. And God, I pray that you would seal in your heart, their heart, God, the forgiveness and the freedom that Jesus paid the price for on the cross, that we would experience once again your freedom to be fully free, free of guilt, free of shame, free of fear, to experience the love of God. We receive it today in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.